Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, I wanted to pick up this morning on um, what we started last week when I uh, talked to you about More Than Enough from this amazing narrative around the um, uh, the Jewish prophet of um, called Elijah that um, that we found this record, this story in uh, in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament and uh, chapter 17 through 19. And um, this has gripped me for a couple of weeks now um, because it's it's so rich in metaphor. And um, having said that, it's classic in its literary style for the era that um, that it's written in and talked about. Uh, and what I am trying to draw from it is the uh, is truth beyond the limitations of factuality. So for those who might want to debate or argue with these real events, etc., etc., it's the truth beyond it that those limitations of factuality that that I uh, I want to grab onto. That that shouldn't really surprise anybody. You know, we we tell our kids stories and fairy tales, and we have a moral to the fairy tale because we're trying to convey something. Uh, to them that, uh, you know, Little Red Riding Hood may not have actually been a literal person uh, with the wolf literally dressing up as a grandma, etc., etc. You know where I'm coming from. So this is not a denial of uh, uh, potential actual truth, but it's a desire to actually draw you in to what these ancient writings can convey to us from a place of wisdom and understanding and also I believe something to help us uh, maybe wrestle with the questions about ourselves and God and humanity etc etc. Anyway a summary of last week. Um, in last week's um, uh, introduction we saw how this prophet Elijah um, found himself in self-isolation uh, which is why we kind of tied it to the current situation a little bit now uh, he kind of brought it on himself but it was the old issue that uh, declarations can often put us in positions where you know then we have to make massive adjustments so so <clears throat> Elijah the prophet um, found himself in this situation of self-isolation uh, a place of, 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 of lack and limitations it obviously brought drought and brought famine um and uh, you could say the supermarket shelves were a little bit empty but um Elijah was led to a still running brook and um uh while he was there at that still running brook which again was a place of provision uh he also got provision from unexpected sources it talks about um uh, ravens which are carrion bird bringing bread and meat every morning uh, and every evening, my point on that, which is that is was that which would normally never give you what was in its mouth for its own well-being, delivered that. Now, I'd like to believe that in some ways we could interpret some of the uh, government's current um, 
current uh, strategies in terms of trying to help people as uh, governments don't normally give stuff away. Uh, but I'm very thankful that they are and uh, hope that those of you who are in difficulties with your businesses, self-employment, etc., will will find suitable um, blessing. If you hit a place of hardship, please, please do let us know so that um, maybe we can uh, come together and assist and, and help. But anyway, following on from that, then the brook dried up. And what I said about that is what do you do when the brook running through your soul dries up? When when that which you just kind of rely on because it, it's there, what do you do when it, it dries up? But it usually means that something's got to shift in our current held position and mindset. So this was part of that lesson reviewing on that, and it became essential within this story. Um, and then we saw that Elijah was was led to and met a widow in a region outside of his own uh, place in in um, in what would be current day uh, Lebanon and and um, uh, you know we looked at the lesson of the widow um, why this widow uh, tried to talk about some sense of our value and people's value and and the narrative here trying to show us that in the midst of all this stuff people still matter you still matter there is value to your life also mentioned that whenever um, in the biblical narrative widow is used it's also pointing us to the fact that this is a person who is walking in loss they they've suffered loss and this widow walking in loss was gathering some sticks to make a fire to bake a cake from the one jar of flour and the one jug of oil that she had remaining the limitation uh, so 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 she was gathering from a fatalistic, hopeless mindset, which was another thing we pointed out that we need to address and deal with because that can very much happen to us in these times, fatalistic, hopeless mindset. And um, the, the prophet, the prophet um, Elijah's crazy request to her, uh, in understanding this, was first bake me a cake. Um she thought she only just had enough for her and her son and then it was all over. But what we saw in the story, the narrative gives us the story that, that, that the, the flour and the oil never ran out while ever this situation continued, which was the whole thing that multiplication didn't come by hoarding and preserving, but, but it came by giving. And... Uh, uh, the discovery of this space is the space in which um, we found that there was more than enough. Just a little side word, always a bit reluctant about this, but we do want to keep functioning, giving, helping as a church. So thank you for those who consistently give and are still consisting to continuing to give, even though we're not publicly gathering. If you want to and don't know how to, uh, please let us know. Go online. You'll find the, the, the situation there where you can take care of what you would have been doing if we were together. So moving the story along, um, what happens next is quite staggering, really, because now this woman's provision hasn't run out. It's multiplied. Uh, she's feeling blessed and provided for. And then the story takes a weird twist because it says the widow's son 
dies. Um, and then we are faced with having to wrestle with the questions of tragedy in the midst of seeming blessing. These turns that come in in life, one, one of those faith-challenging, but what about moments that, that you and I have all faced and we still do face and we still will face. And this, this kind of paradox that sometimes we are okay and things seem okay and we would probably attest that there has been events and provisions that we did not expect like the ravens with the meat and the the bread or the brook and and that even when sometimes the brook running through our soul the thing that was sustaining us dried up that that somehow we find ourselves we found ourselves in a place where uh, we could recognize blessing and provision and and hope and and help but then something else happens it's like there is a tipping point something happens that we didn't expect and and that tragedy in in what we thought was the midst of of blessing challenges our faith uh, however you wish to define that you know from wherever you sit on the spiritual belief spectrum it challenges the essence of the faith within us and and usually generates um, one of two responses and uh, in 1 Kings 17 verse 18 it, it talks about the woman so she now says to Elijah um, the man of God have you come to me what's going on my summary of the first phrase what's going on have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son so here's one of the responses of uh, uh, this thing that I think the church particularly and, and other other certain aspects of religious belief can do this. Making people so sin conscious, perception of sin conscious, that somehow any position we hold that may be one of blessing and safety and security could at any time be disrupted because of some sin in our life, some weakness in our life, some failure in our life, something we did, something we thought, something we said, um, that somehow now must be the reason why this calamity has happened. And then even to the extent, and I suppose uh, to some degree, if you've been raised in a uh, spiritually dominated, maybe Christian environment, you might uh, slip to the phrase of why has God done this okay now you can go outside of the Christian um, uh, tradition and culture from people will even say then if there is a God why has God done this so these are variations of the same thing that when tragedy comes um, in the midst of seeming blessing uh, and those questions attack us from the inside as it can happen at a time like this because many frustrations are going to build in you uh, some of you more than others I mean spare a thought for the parents among us and the families who are locked away in the house with the kids um, we're past that but boy I tell you if you can't get out and can't go out and uh, I made a post on Facebook today for those of you on it go and read it about uh, some of the kids from from families that are not 
functional families, the dysfunctional families, and, and what that might mean for those kids. Think about that. But we, we when this challenge comes, it's always, you know, we, we go to that place of, um, um, you know, I remember you saying, oh, you know, it must be my son. I must have done something wrong. You know, why has this happened? Why has God killed my son? So that, that was one uh, perspective that I want you to be away from because we are people of grace. Okay, so yes, some things will happen in the midst of blessing. Some tragedies may even take place, but don't go to the, oh, is it because I've sinned? Uh, and is God punishing me by doing X, taking away X, in this case, killing my son? Um, and then a couple of verses later, you get you get Elijah, the prophet's response. So he comes from another angle and cries out to God, basically saying, God, what the heck? Um, oh, Lord, my God, what the heck? Um, have you also, have you brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge? So he's now wrestling with this thing of, of God, this was going really well. Um, this was looking good. I was looking good. Um, but, um, uh, you know, have have you brought tragedy almost because of me, um, you know, by killing the son? So so we've got the, you know, one is, is oh, my sin must have done this. The other one is, Oh, God must have brought this tragedy for some reason known only to him. Um, and these two re responses are typical of where we go in our minds when, when faced with certain challenges like like can happen at, at this time in our lives with what's going on uh, in the country. But I would propose to you there's a third possible response. And the third possible response is um, is not you know, I must have committed some sin and I'm being judged or, or um, uh, you know, well, well, God must just have decided to bring tragedy for whatever. Uh, this third possible response is that's life. I don't believe in a God who, uh, however you perceive him to be, is in control of the whole kitten caboodle. Um, if he is, I've said before, he's doing an awful job. Um, I don't believe that. Uh, I do believe in the presence of the divine within all things, and that's another conversation. But um, that's life has a lot of wisdom in it. So this is not per se a Christian song, not even per se a spiritual uh, sacred song. It's a Frank Sinatra song, but I just thought there's some wisdom in it today. If you can grab it, listen, that's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm going to change that tune when I'm back on top, back on top in June, hopefully. Okay? I said, that's life. And as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks stomping on a dream. But I don't let it get me down, because this fine old world, it keeps spinning around. I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn and a king. I've been up and down and over and out. And I know one thing. Each time I find myself flat on my face, I pick myself up and get back in the race. That's life. I tell you, I can't deny it. I thought of quitting, but my heart just ain't gonna buy it. And if I don't 
didn't think it was worth one single try. I'd jump right on a big bird and then I'd fly. I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn and a king. I've been up and down and over and out. But I know one thing, each time I find myself laying flat on my face, I just pick myself up and get back in the race. There's some good words in there uh, that I'd like you to get a hold of. Okay, there's your song for today. Um, you're going to pick yourself up and get back in the race. Because uh, that's life, okay? So I think this is a wisdom to what happened that it's there to illustrate some things to us in the story about how we respond um, when we face tragedy in, in the face of perceived blessing. Um, and uh, if we approach it the right way, then we'll understand it the right way and we come through. So the good thing is that's not the end of the story, okay? We said that hope is the confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. And that wasn't the last word. So in, in the story now, with the boy's dead, and uh, Elijah does something that'll get you thrown in prison these days, but this is the narrative, it's the story, it's in the style of the day. Elijah stretches himself out over the boy and uh, calls upon God and breathes on him. And uh, it says life came back into the boy, the, the boy's soul returned, his breath returned to him. So Elijah stretched himself out over the situation and life came back into it. It. Okay, here, here again, the metaphorical lesson that sometimes we encounter tragedy in the midst of perceived blessing. Uh, but what we've got to do in that situation sometimes is stretch and breathe. Stretch yourself, stretch your understanding, stretch your belief. Stretch your level of peace, stretch your level of trust. Just stretch and breathe. It's even a, a physical thing that people tell us to do to, to settle the heart and spirit. Stretch and breathe. Breath. So there's this wonderful lesson here that even in the midst of things there, what you do, you, you stretch, allow yourself to be stretched, and you breathe. You breathe the breath of life. And uh, in this story, it's giving us hope that then what seemed to be dead what seemed to be over, what seemed to be incapable of ever rising again, came back to life. Maybe that's a word for you today. Maybe you can hang on to that. And maybe you just need to stretch and breathe. Remember, breathing is the name of God as well. Okay. So anyway, this situation we've talked about went on for three years. Now, I'm not prophesying that. Lord help us. We will be out of our heads if this were to go on for three years, but this situation in the story went on uh, for three years. Um, but the story's building us towards some other thoughts, some other challenges about our humanity and our approach to life um, in, in the style that it's written. And um, what I would say as a precursor to what I'm about to share with you is that the greatest value and proof of the existence of any kind of faith can only be verified by what it does for you in the time of adversity. Um, it ain't faith and it ain't worth much if the only place, the thing that let's call it faith that we have that is our hope and our life 
if it only sustains us when everything looks okay, when there's no adversity, there's no tragedy, then then it ain't nothing. It ain't worth the breath it's spoken with. It's not worth the paper it's written on. It just it just isn't. So so we have to we have to have a think about then if if we have any kind of faith within this situation and, and, and towards any resolution, even in, in the challenges it brings in our our own life, then then maybe what is put next in the narrative is is the thing that might help us uh, a little bit to address this and face this. So 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 chapter 18 of 1 Kings uh, presents an Elijah who is riding high on ego, self-confidence and the sweet smell of his own amazingness. Uh, and we've been there and that will drive us to do things and react in ways that, that um, do not reflect a stable being. Uh, they probably more reflect a circumstantial being, a situational being. And that's what we're trying to get past. Spirituality helps you to find the stable, the, the, the inner stability, as opposed to the situational and circumstantial reactional way that we so often approach approach life. So, so, so what Elijah does, and there's a little bit of the story in here that I'm going to talk about, in, an, in another broadcast. But what Elijah does, he he now picks a fight with with what in the narrative are called the prophets of Baal. Baal and Ashtaroth were false gods. And um, uh, in in the in the Hebrew mindset. And um, uh, Elijah comes back and and uh, and he picks a fight. It's 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 the story is classic in its literally literary style. At some point in the story, we've got the God showdown. My God's bigger than your God. My God's better than your God. My God can do more than your God can do. And um, that's actually not a sign of security. It's actually a sign of insecurity. You know, it's only the insecure, threatened kid who tells the friend, my dad could beat your dad up in a fight. Well, there's no reason even to be thinking about a fight or beating anybody up, but insecurity will make us do that. And I have long contended that that many of our songs in church show how insecure we are about about God rather than security because we really don't need to sing our god is bigger our god is greater lovely song and if you sing it brilliant but but does god need to know that or are we trying to convince ourselves of that and and what's the reason that again that you might think i'm strange in that but you know i wrestle with those things so so he picks a fight and uh, he picks a fight with these prophets of baal and um it's the classic god showdown and um uh what saddens me about it i mean for years i preached this is this is brilliant you know look how god stuck it to the prophets of baal and so on and so forth and um but there's such a lesson in here that 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 
Elijah, in this false sense of personal security and caught up in his own amazingness and ego, is challenging those who don't see it his way in a way that's designed to belittle, embarrass, humiliate, shame, destroy. And um, the truth is when we're gripped by the wrong understanding of who we're supposed to be and we are trying to force that forward to give ourselves security, we will always challenge those who don't see it our way in a way that's designed to belittle, embarrass, humiliate, shame and destroy. Now, my question now at this stage of life, 64 yesterday, is was that really necessary? Was it necessary to then slaughter... I mean, these are some of the big questions about Old Testament writing. I, I think I can quantify and put it into some context, but, but they are the questions we have to ask. And is there a lesson within there that's trying to move us to a, to a new place that that's not what we need to be doing? See, it's as if, it's as if the writer wants to present Elijah showboating so that he can teach you something. Now, if you don't know what showboating is, showboating, best example is they talk about boxers in the ring showboating. It's when they think they've got this covered and, uh, you know, they're, they're a certainty to win. They start dropping their hands and dancing around and and and, and teasing and tormenting the opponent. Um, you know, you better be really good if you're going to do that because most of the times you finish up smacked in the head and on your back. Uh, but it's almost like Elijah's showboating. So so he, he has this competition where, okay, you've got to bring a sacrifice, put it on an altar, and then you've got to bring down fire to consume the sacrifice uh, without using matches. Um, and the prophets of Baal in the story fell. Uh, so Elijah, being cocky, showboating, uh, bring lots of water, pour water on the sacrifice, pour water on the altar, dig a trench around the altar, fill it with water. See, it, it's not just about, I, I need you to see something about the goodness of God. It's like, I want to belittle, embarrass, humiliate, shame and destroy. That is not the essence of the heart of the divine towards humanity. And we better not hold that attitude. We need to have a spirit to embrace, to love, to be kind. And uh, to have conversation that helps us, not not the defensive dogmas. So, so he does all this and, he, and 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 showboating. But but I think the writer's showing that so that he can teach us something. See, it, it paints Elijah working from a place of ego and arrogance. Now you say, how do I know that he's painting the story of Elijah working from a place of ego and arrogance? I know it by what happens next. Because when we get from that situation into chapter 19, it shows how quickly bravado and boldness can melt into fear and panic. Because now having, having done is my God's bigger than your God, kill all you, humiliate, destroy, whatever. Uh, now the queen, Jezebel, whose, whose prophets have been humiliated and, and, and destroyed says, right, that's it. I am going to make sure that, that, you know, basically before the sun go down, that this guy, Elijah, he's done. He's finished. I'm going to have him. I'm going to hunt him down. He's a dead man. And uh, so chapter 19 
is the chapter that that shows Elijah's response to the threat um, to his well-being, to his security, um, to his significance, to his relevance. And the boldness starts to melt away to fear and, and, and panic. And this is where the story is really getting to the root of what it truly means to have faith. Because Elijah runs off into the desert and sinks into a, 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 a mode of self-pity, self-loathing, self-doubt and worthlessness. Now this is the guy who, oh, God's, go, oh, bless, God's great, fantastic, you know, raise this, done that, whatever, ego, well, it's all going good. But now he's the one who is experiencing tragedy, disaster, threat in the midst of what he thinks should be perceived blessing. And so what does he do? He doesn't rest. He's not at peace. He's not confident. He goes into self-pity, self-loathing, self-doubt and worthlessness because it's exposing the ego and bravado that he was trying to display before and all that, you know, just self-absorbed in his own amazingness. So, so he goes from genocidal to suicidal in no time at all. He's this genocidal, we're going to kill all the prophets, we got this, we're going to win. Uh, to going suicidal, that's it, my life's worth nothing, just kill me now, it's never going to work out, I'm done, it's finished, in, in no time at all. Now, what that shows to me is that this is an experience of the divine, it's an experience of self, and it's an expression of faith that was not genuinely rooted in its proper source. It was rooted in circumstance and situation and self-desire and self-promotion and all that other stuff that we go through. So times like this, we can find that we've gone from genocidal, we're going to beat this, we're going to kill this, we got this, to suicide. Some of you might be there right now thinking, it's over, that's it, I'm done. But it's in this self-imposed exile and this suicidal mentality that, that an angel comes to him. Now, um, I don't know, angel wings, you know, flap, 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 a little white rope. I don't. Whatever this means, the truth is um, angels come in many forms. And I might be an angel to you today. Just what I'm bringing you, I might be that angel to meet you at your place, to bring you that thing. Somebody else might be this week. They might give you a call. They might send you a text. You might read something. But angels still can come to us in these in these situations in our life. And, and, and the story says in chapter 19 that he looked around and by his head he found some bread that was freshly baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And, um, you know, it's this idea that, that the angel comes with, fresh provision for for that moment for the day and 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 the verse 7 is a is is an interesting one that gives us some insight on that because it says the angel of the lord came back a second time touched him and said get up and eat for the journey is too great for you so we've got an angel we've got somebody whoever that angel is whatever that angel is to you just bringing that something that sustenance for now uh, that just gives you, you know, a little food and a little drink. But we're trying to get you to the understanding, as this angel was, that 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 you need to you need to devour 
what's coming to you, for the, but the journey is too great for you. See, the expectation is not that you uh, should only have a journey that you can handle, cope with, um, negotiate, fulfill from your own perception of your own strength and ability. For most of us, we hit that place where the journey is too great for us. The journey of life is too great for us most of the time. But but thank God for the angels in our life. Thank God for the love, the kindness, the provision. So so it says Elijah got up and he he ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, again, there's, there's metaphor here to help us. Whenever you see the 40 days, 40 nights, that 40 thing in scripture, it's like Jesus 40 days in the, um, you know, uh, in, in the wilderness and the children of Israel 40 years, etc. This, this 40 days and nights thing is, it, it's a time of, 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 the challenge to discover who you truly are. It was for the children of Israel in the desert for 40 years. It was for the story of Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Whenever you see this come up, it's about coming to a place where you face yourself and you can come out of that place of bravado and false self and false security into the confidence and courage and dynamic of, of knowing who you truly are and your oneness with the divine and uh, and the source of all things flowing in you, with you and through you. So 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 he talked about him, all of this brought him to the mountain of God. Now don't don't get all too um, you know hyper religious on me with this, you know, as though it's some kind of Mecca place. Um uh, it's simply indicating that the place where you encounter the divine presence and whatever that means to each of you, um, uh, we all need to come to the place where we encounter the divine presence in a very real um, and undeniable way. Now, I didn't say God in this way or God in that way or it should look like this. I've seen that encountering the divine presence I leave to your experience um and and but the truth is we we it brings us to the place where we encounter the divine presence uh, the, the need to recognize the divine presence and um I love the way that it's expressed from the Franciscan tradition uh, I heard this through Richard Rohr it's the place of understanding God with me God in me, God as me. Those three things are are so important. However you want to perceive, you know, um, uh, that presence of God, spirit. Um, For some of you, uh, anthropomorphical, that means in a human form, a visible human, touchable form. However you want to perceive that, these three things are important if we're going to get to the root of of the solution to this and out of the weakness of our own self-absorbed ego and into the true understanding of who we are from the presence of God in us and through us. It, it's God with me, God in me, God as me. Think about those. God with me, God in me, but also God as me. This, this is what, what, 
the narrative is trying to show that that Elijah in his journey actually has to come to this place if he's going to recognize the true uh, meaning and purpose of the whole thing and uh, he's going to go back from suicidal to a place of peace and rest. Uh, and in this encounter, um, it says, you know, he, he goes out from this cave he's in and, and there's a there's a there's there's fire but God's not in the fire and there's wind but God's not in the wind and there's earthquake and God's not in the earthquake. Um all these things are are the, the sensational, the spectacular. Um but but uh he doesn't God's not in those things is what the narrator says. In other words, the point he's making is that we rarely find God in the things or places we think we should look for him. Because what we usually find in those places is religion, uh, dogma, um, uh, inflexible doctrine. We, we find static belief rather than dynamic faith. So we rarely find God in the things or places we think we should look for him. Um, because most of it is looking the external, looking out there, looking somewhere. But in the words of the song from Lion King, he lives in me, he lives in you. That's the place where he is truly found. And when I say he, that doesn't mean God is male or God is 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 human like us. It's it's a term. But he lives in you, he lives in me. That that's where you find and begin to find um the 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 divine presence the truth of what the divine presence is and is all about so uh yeah listen to that go on youtube uh put the search in for peter hollands h o l n e n s uh he lives in you and watch that brilliant i think it is so moving so fantastic it's the a cappella version uh from the lion king so there's fire wind and earthquake sensational spectacular uh, but that's not where it's at. Then a voice says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? How did you get here? Why are you here? What are you doing here in this place now where you still are in a place where your faith is based on circumstance and situation and your own bravado and all that stuff? What are you doing here, Elijah? And that's a good question to us. Okay, where you are in your heart right now, in your mind, in your head, in your thought, what are you doing here? Um, and the word comes to him, go back. Go back the way you came. Uh, in other words, in all the things that you can now say you did not have the strength of a real faith uh, and you were not conscious of the true encounter with the divine, which is he lives in you, he lives in me. Um, now go back the way you came. Go back to the core of who you truly are. And uh, and then what you do next will have a different result. And, and what happens, just finishing off this story, the, the next three things that Elijah did largely passed unseen and without event. And yet they were arguably the most significant three things that he did in his whole life. Lesson being that which comes from the place of rest, true faith, and a peace about who we truly are, 
has a longevity that goes way beyond anything produced by bravado and ego. So come to faith today. He lives in you. He lives in me. God with you. God in you. God as you. And go with the difference that matters. Rest in peace should not be the mantra for death. Rest in peace should be the mantra for life. So today go and rest in peace. R.I.P. everybody. We love you and we'll catch you again. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.